All right, well, it's good to be with you guys this morning. And if you are joining us online, welcome. Um, you know, we f- we fight the good fight as Christians. And I hope you know that. I hope you know that we, you're on the right team, on the right side, right? We're fighting the good fight. Um, and in life today, it doesn't matter where you are at at the time of hearing this message, um, we are going to need to persist through things in life, right? Um, and what I love about it is that I felt God stirred it within my heart this week, and I wanted to chat around this topic of activated persistence. So we're going to talk about that activated persistence, and it's not just that we persist through challenges or through trials in life, but rather that it's activated in a way that is Christ-like. And Jesus sets the example, and we are able to follow. Um, and, you know, Adam kicked us off uh, beginning of the year with a message saying, uh, regaining ground in, in this new year. And then Pastor Dave Cape shared um, a powerful message about living a kingdom effective life in this year. And then Pastor Rod, the last two messages have been speaking about um, living in what Christ has obtained for us. Um, and those messages were all powerful and stirred so much. And as I was leaning in this week and just spending time with the Lord and trying to hear what he might want me to share, I was thinking about those messages and I had this question, well, how does that look? How does it work? How do we live in obtaining um, or, or, or living in what Christ has obtained for us? How do we live a kingdom effective life? And this one word keep, kept coming up in my heart and was this word persistence. persistence. Um, it's that unrelenting that we will not yield or be satisfied with anything less than what Christ has obtained for us. Living in that fullness. Amen. So I want to just share a story because as we persist through things, there are challenges that we face. So just from our own life, uh, Denise and I, we were involved in the local church back in South Africa. We were both working full day jobs, but we were involved in ministry. And there was this one season in our lives where we were asked to lead the youth worship, uh, the youth uh, team, the youth ministry um, at the church. And we had this young team with us. There were a bunch of first year college students so they were passionate, but they were all over the place as well. Um, and so it was a challenge to try and get young people. And um, I take my hat off to Harlan and Rachel. Leading teens is not easy. Um, and that we found we dealt with those same challenges. But at the same time, we had to deal with this team that we were trying to help them grow in the Lord. We were trying to impart what we felt the Lord told us to do in their lives. We were trying to lead by example, trying to be them, be a support and encouragement to them. And, you know, in some of them, uh, we could see that things were kind of tracking. But in others, we were like, man, I don't know what's happening. Like, are we actually having an influence? Are we making a difference? Is, is something going on? And so fast forward many years later, we had this one couple in our team uh, that got married and we attended their wedding. And the Lord had moved them to Germany. And around the time that we had moved to Chicago, they were relocated. He had a job with BMW. Um, in Munich, and they relocated him to South Carolina, um, Greenville, Greenville, South Carolina. Um, And we connected with them, and they were able to come down to Chicago for a week and visit us, and we picked them up from the airport. We got back to our apartment, and they had unpacked, and we sat down in the living room, and we started just connecting and, and touching hearts again. And one of the first things they said to us is that, hey, we just want to let you guys know your leadership had an incredible impact on our lives. What you imparted and the way you supported us 
kind of set us up and we are still walking with the Lord because of that input. And we were so blessed by hearing that. Um, and I remember this another time, the church in South Africa, um, where Denise's dad, who was the senior pastor at the time, and the worship pastor, Andrew, they felt the Lord had laid it on their hearts to start another service on a Saturday night. It would look different from the Sunday service, but it would be a time where people could come and worship. They can, they can come and pray and be ministered to. There wouldn't be anyone preaching. So they hadn't done it before. And so they laid it before the Lord, and they said to the Lord, well, you know what you want to do with this night. Um, we are going to show up faithful. We know that you are going to show up. And if anyone else shows up, well, that's just extra bonus, right? Because in those beginning days, it happened like that. There was very few people who came. And as we start things, you might we face that challenge of like, well, how's this going to track? And I could tell you that we eventually got to be involved in that Saturday night service. And it was such a blessing. So many people's lives got touched through that night. So many people got prayed for, got, got healed, got delivered. Um, and it became a place where people who were ministers in other churches could come and be refreshed. Um, and it was a beautiful thing. And so persistence is key. We can't give up. And, and I promise you that persistence does lead to fruit. And so I want to just share five challenges today that we may face as we persist. Number one, we persist when we're weary. Number one, we persist when we're weary. So Galatians 6, 9 in the NASB says this, Let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. Amen. That's a good scripture right there. Now, I don't know about you. And I know all of us can relate to this, but weary is maybe how we feel most of the times of the week, right? And sometimes it's Monday and you're like, ah, there's still so much week ahead, right? <laughs> Come on, we've all been there. And if you have kids, you've been there extra, right? And weariness can sometimes hit hard and it can, it can really affect us and it can cause us to maybe lose heart, you know, that you are doing the right thing. And I want to say to you, it's important not to lose heart in doing good. And it, and it takes persistence if we persist. If we do not give up, we will see the reward. Oh, yes. If you're trying to stay on that diet and you don't give up, you will see the reward. If I stay on my workout routine and I don't give up, I should hopefully start seeing that things are changing <laughs> and things are shrinking, right? If you don't give up, thank you. I look good. That's good. The camera never lies though. Um, and the same thing, right? If we persist in serving the Lord... He's going to meet us where we at, and surprising and amazing things are going to happen, right? And if you are sitting next to your loved one, if you did not persist, you might not be sitting next to that loved one, right? I know we persist, we, we give up, but we sometimes are unrelenting in that as well. They might want nothing to do with you, but yet you persist. Um, <laughs> all right. <laughs> all right. Okay, number two, we persist through trials. And I love the book of James where it says in James 1, 12, it says, blessed is the one, have you got that coming up there? There we go. It says, blessed is the one who perseveres. Another word for that would be endures under trial because having stood the test of time, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. Even in James 1, 2 to 4, it says this, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance 
has a chance to grow. So let it grow, for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. That's an awesome promise that we get to step into. And I believe not just for eternity, but in the here and now, that we get to live lives that are going to be crowned by His presence as we persist in th- through trials. Amen? And, you know, we went through a trial in our family. I was, um, I was finishing up my high school, was my matric year, I don't know what you call it, year, grade 12, uh, senior year. And I was writing my, I had just started writing my final paper, my first exam. I had one in the morning and one in the afternoon. Um, and I got out of the first exam, and you obviously can't have your phones on. And I remember it was still an Ericsson, Sony Ericsson, like green screen, just text. <laughs> Couldn't even play snake on it. Um, and, I, and I turned this phone on, and it was, it was overloaded with voicemails. And I listened to the voicemail. It was my mom. And my sister had been traveling back with my grandparents um, from Cape Town, and they were involved in a car accident, which took the life of my grand and left my sister paralyzed at the age of 16. You want to talk about your whole world changing in an instant and facing trials and challenges. And we had that. In the months that she spent in the hospital recovering, going through countless surgeries, we had to persist through that trial, through those challenges, and trusting that the Lord is good. The enemy might mean and do stuff for evil and for, to harm us, but the Lord does everything for our good. And so we had to persist in our faith in God that He hasn't abandoned us, that He's still there for us, that He's looking after. He's for my sister, not against her. So we need to persist in those things. You know, our, our whole life, how we did things changed. So there are many challenges we had to face, and we had to persist through that. I remember reading this book by Brian Johnson, who's the, he heads up the Bethel Music Label. Um, and he shares from a very young age, he was tormented by spirits to the point that they would drive in the car and this would happen, and he would get so anxious and so gripped by fear that he couldn't breathe. And this would happen throughout his, his um, being a child into his um, teens, young adulthood. And I remember him sharing that him and his dad, who's Bill Johnson, who's the senior pastor of Bethel, they would, they would do spiritual warfare. They would stand on the promises of God. They would claim those scriptures. They would, do, they would take communion together, and they would worship. And here's the thing. It wasn't just one song. It wasn't five minutes of worship. It wasn't two hours of worship. Sometimes they would worship through the night before the breakthrough came. Persistence. Persistence through challenges and through trials. He is our breakthrough. And scripture memory plays such a huge role in that. Those, those verses, those promises are the things that we get to rely on. You know, I heard someone share it once like this, like it being a ladder. Every promise is like us climbing up a rung, closer and deeper in the Lord. And we get to go through life's challenges because we get to stand on the promises of our God. Amen. And those, having those verses and scriptures at hand is critical. And so we don't just persist through trials or through weariness, but we also persist through facing off things like fear. And fear can sometimes be a big one for us. You know, maybe it's the fear of what someone thinks about you. Fear about your situation and what's the outcome going to be. Or maybe the road ahead isn't that clear. Maybe it's something as simple or not as simple as learning to drive. Right? So I had this friend, he was 16 or 15 years old, and he shared the story with me. He was sitting behind the wheel, and if you've ever been there, you know exactly what I'm talking about. He had this tough police sergeant next to him, and he's holding onto this wheel with white knuckles, 
He's gripping this wheel so hard that when he comes to turn, he turns, his whole body is turning with the steering wheel. And he can't let go of the steering wheel. He's just gripping it. And then when he comes out of the turn, his whole body goes back to the beginning. And eventually this police sergeant says to him, hey, you can just let it slide through your hands. You don't have to grip it so hard. But he was afraid. He was fearful of making a mistake, maybe going out of his lane and bumping into another car or doing something wrong. And you know what? Persistence changes things too. Because today, I'm pretty sure he doesn't drive with that same fear because he persisted through it, right? And I know with my sister, when she came out of the hospital and she had to get into the car for the very first time, I watched my sister crumble under the pressure of fear and anxiety. She would start sweating. And I watched her persist through that to the point where today she drives herself almost like a gangster. (laughs) She's wild. (laughs) So that fear changed as she persisted through it, right? All right. James 4, 7 says this, and this is what the Bible says about the lies of the enemy and the enemy coming against us. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. And again, in 1 John 4, 18, it says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. So you know what? We don't have to live under this burden of fear. We don't have to accept it as part of our lives. When we persist in the promises of God, we're going to see that things start to look different. And I also believe, number four, that we persist in finding healing. We persist for our healing. How many of you are in the situation, or you've been in a situation, where you are saying, this has to be God or nothing, because right now He's my only hope. He's all that I have, right? Maybe it's a loved one. Maybe it's someone close to you that you've been standing in prayer and faith with, persisting for healing. This one couple that we had in the small group with us in Chicago, we were having a small group evening and we were just sitting around chatting about healings and miracles and testimonies. And he shared this one story that he had this friend, this business colleague. And in the middle of a business meeting, he felt the Lord prompt him to pray for this person. And so they started praying. You know, when they started praying, the, the healing didn't come all at once. They started praying and some of the pain lifted and they felt about 50% better. And so they persisted again and they kept on praying, a little bit more lifted. And at the end, that person was completely healed at the end of the time of prayer. But they persisted. They didn't give up. They didn't back down. And sometimes that's what happens. We have to persist. And sometimes that's the way God does it. He wants to see us persist. He wants us to see us press in for those things, for that breakthrough. You know, you don't want to be, I heard this and I thought it was funny. You don't want to be like the little boy who runs up, presses the doorbell and then runs away when you ask God for healing. You want to stick around and see what's going to happen, right? Don't press the bell and run away and then like, God, where are you? Isaiah 58.8 says, Then your light shall break forth as the morning and your healing shall spring forth quickly and your righteousness shall go before you and the glory of the Lord shall be your reward. In that passage of Scripture, there's a time of waiting maybe beforehand. You know, when it says that your healing will spring forth quickly, maybe there was a not so quickly before that. And so we need to persist and press in to find a healing. And then lastly, number five, I want to mention that we persist for a righteous life, living righteously. And in Judges chapter 2, there's an interesting passage, and it speaks about the angel messenger of the Lord appearing to the people of Israel and saying, look, Joshua has led you into the promised land and and you've been conquering land that I've promised you, but you haven't followed through. 
You didn't do everything that I said you should do. You didn't remove all the altars. You didn't remove all the other gods that the Canaanite people had in the land. And so you're not going to have all this land. You're not going to be able to take all of it. And it says in that passage that the people of Israel started weeping and sobbing. And this is an interesting passage because it's one of the only times in the Bible where we see an angel messenger of the Lord appear to an entire assembly of people rather than just one. And this was a huge moment for the nation of Israel. And the people are weeping and they're crying. But you know what happens? Nothing changes. We don't read after that passage that they went back and they tore down all the altars. And so sometimes sin that is wept out isn't always kept out. Sin that is wept out isn't always kept out. We have to turn. That's what repentance means. I'm going in this direction. And if I repent, I have to turn and go the opposite direction. And you can say that repentance is paved by small choices. Every single one of them pointing to the Father. You know, and we can do this and I've done this and been guilty of this. We can try and live our lives and try and live righteously in our own strength and try and do it in our own way. It's like having a chart on my wall and every day I come and I'm like, "Mm, today was a good day. I didn't sin today. But there wouldn't be a month that's full of check marks, right? And when we do it in our own strength, here's the thing. We are aiming for perfection when we should be aiming at the perfecter. And when we aim for perfection, that's not his plan for us. He wants relationship, not check marks. And writers often share that, that it's not a sin issue, it's a relation issue. So when we seek to be freed from the sin that besets us, it's important for us to understand there's only one that can free us. The Bible says, he whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And we're going to read this in Jude 1 verse 24 in the Amplified. It says, Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and falling into sin and to present you unblemished, that's blameless and faultless, in the presence of his glory with triumphant joy and unspeakable delight. So there's only one who can present us to the Father blameless, and that is Jesus. And how many of you know when, we, when you talk about sin itself, it often speaks about missing the mark. It's like an archer taking his bow and his arrow pointing it towards the target and letting go, and here's the target, and there's the bow. Completely misses it. So here's my question. What are you aiming for? What are we aiming for? Are we aiming at perfection and sin causes us to miss the mark? Are we aiming at the perfecter, Jesus himself? Now, as we continue looking at this activated persistence, all those verses, all those promises, I I feel are so key to going through life's challenges. Um, But I believe that activated persistence happens in the place of prayer. And when I I felt this message in my heart, I wasn't even thinking about the month that we are about to head into. And this morning, I felt God set it up so beautifully with the words that were shared from Val and Rod that we're heading into a month of prayer and fasting and acting that it would be activated persistence on iron, that we would persist for the things that God has for us as a body, for you individually as well. Um, and we get to do this because we see Jesus doing this. Now, there's no magic words to pray. So if you're new to the faith, um, that should be a relief to you, right? Like, oh, I don't have to remember a certain prayer, right? It's not like um, God's looking at how wonderful my prayer sounds as to whether or not he's going to answer it. We get caught up in that. We're like, oh, wow, that guy prays really, really nice. I wish I had new words like that, right? But it's not about that. Sometimes a simple help 
from the law, from us. God looks at our hearts. He looks way past the words. He looks directly into our hearts. And here's the thing. We don't pray alone. Here's where it gets really good. Romans 8.34 says this. Christ Jesus who died, more than that who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God. And he is also interceding for us. You want to talk about persistence. You want to talk about never giving up. Jesus at the right hand. Right now, in this moment, he's interceding. That in this meeting, you would hear from, from, the God, from the Father what you need for this week. That right now, you would receive from the Father what, that which is on your heart. That God will meet you where you're at. And that he would point you in the direction that God has for you. Right now, in this service, he's interceding for your situation. He's interceding for your loved ones, for your family members. The Son of God is at the right hand of the Father. And he's saying, Father, here is the one in whom I love. Would you give them what they need? Persistence in prayer. Jesus sets the example for us. And then Jesus says in Deuteronomy 31.8, The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. You see, he persists in his love for us. And Jesus said himself, if you've seen me, You've seen the Father. So the Father persists in His love for us. The Father persists in meeting our need. And although we miss the mark because of our sin, Jesus doesn't miss the mark. Why? Because He is without sin. So now I want to ask you, if we can look at just one Greek word study, and full disclaimer, I am not a Greek scholar, but as I was looking into this passage, this came up and I thought it was so powerful. There's one word in the original um, language in the New Testament, which is Greek, and it makes persisting in prayer like Jesus totally fresh and totally practical. And this word is found in that passage in Romans 8.34, where it says Jesus is interceding. That word intercession or interceding in the Greek word, and I hope I get this right, is entunkano. Entunkano. That was a lot of practice. Um, but that's how you would say interceding in the Greek. Now, it is not just used again and again to say interceding, but it's also used to mean a meeting or an encounter with someone where you have the opportunity to ask them. Think about that. Entuncano, a meeting or an encounter where you have the opportunity to ask them. And it's like me saying to Maria, Maria, I don't have any batteries for my microphone. That's an entuncano type of meaning because it's an encounter where Maria now has the opportunity to respond to my need because we met each other. And Jesus, the intercession of Jesus happens in this entune corner. Because he is at the right hand of the Father. You want to talk about being close. You want to talk about meeting someone. Be happening um, across them versus right there next to them. Hand in hand. Entune corner is Jesus always with the Father. The intercession happens at this intersection. And so Jesus sets the example as to how we are to pray and persist in prayer. It has to be the, inter the intersection happening at our, the intercession happening at our intersection of heaven, where it's his heartbeat in our heart. It's his eyes in our face. It's his life in our life. There has to be intersection where heaven meets earth. And I believe it's in this place where intercession becomes real and persistence enters prayer. Now remember, Jesus is um, sitting at the right hand of the Father. He's interceding for us. And he sets the example in how we are to pray. So we, when we pray, we are to pray as though he's face, we are face to face with the Father. 
Not that he's this distant, far of God, but that he's close. He's right here. Now, this word goes even further. The N in the word entuncano, the prefix is, a, is an intensifier. The root word, tuncano, in the Greek, they have opposites, antonyms, just like we have in the English um, language, right? So if I had to give you a word, I want you to throw back at me the, well, don't throw it back, we just say it back, um, <laughs> the English word of the antonym, right? So if I say dark is the opposite of? Strong, hot, short, and if you've ever played that game, Battleships, if you say, did I hit your battleship or did I miss? I always think sink, but hit is sink. It caught me out as I was preparing. It's like, did I hit or did I sink? I'm like, no, wait, hit and sink are the same thing. So miss, right? So tuncano, the root word of intercession is to hit the mark. And the opposite, the antonym for that is the same word that they use for sin. It's to miss. So the root word of intercession is the opposite of sin. Where Jesus himself is the only truly sinless one. He is also our intercessory example. He's making a way for us to the Father. Our entrance is only through Jesus. And it's because he is sinless that we are able to not miss the mark in our intercession. Wow, how, do, how much does that change our praise? It's our hitting the target of the Father that is enabled because of Jesus' Jesus' sinlessness, because when we are faithless, he will remain faithful. He never sinned, he can't miss, and he's not missing his father's face. Our relationship with God was broken by sin, by missing the mark. And it is broken every week, sometimes every day, but through Jesus, who never miss, and never misses his face and never sins, that relationship is restored with the Father. And we can't, we can't do it in our own strength. We can't do it without him. And so in him, we have access to the Father. We have access to persist. We have access to ask and to keep on asking. We have access to seek and to keep on seeking. We have access to knock and to keep on knocking. And persistence in prayer is that knocking. I want to close with a familiar passage about persistence. There's this word that I heard in a phrase. I've heard this word before, but I don't know what it meant. And it's this phrase. It says, your importunity, um, next slide. Yeah, your importunity is God's opportunity. So I was like, importunity. So I went and I searched it up, and this word only shows up once in the New King James Version in the entire Bible. So it's pretty easy to find. And it was in Luke chapter 11, and it's the story where Jesus is telling about this man who had visitors come and show up at his house. And he had nothing for them to eat. Now, in Middle Eastern culture, when someone shows up, if guest shows up, you had to have something to eat, right? So this man runs to his neighbor and he's banging on the door. He goes, neighbor, neighbor, I have visitors that have come over and I have nothing to feed them. Can you give me some bread? And the neighbor's like, ah, oh, go away. I'm sleeping. My kids are in bed. You're going to wake up the house. I can't help you. I'm not doing it. I can't. But this man keeps on knocking and that word importunity shows up. And that importunity means shameless persistence. And because of his importunity, the, ma- the neighbor will get up and he will give him what he needs. And we're going to read this in two translations. Luke eleven eight, 8 and the, the Amplified says, I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him because he is his friend, yet because of his importunity, he will rise and give him as many as he needeth. And then in the New Living Translation, the same verse, but I tell you this, though he won't do it for friendship's sake, If you keep knocking long enough, 
He will get up and give you whatever you need because of why? Your shameless persistence. If shameless persistence, if that's going to get you from your friends what they wouldn't even give you for friendship, how much more from our Heavenly Father who desires to give us every good thing? How much more from our Heavenly Father who has planned in advance good things for us to do? And this passage in Scripture actually is just before Jesus says, ask and you will receive. We're going to read it. Luke eleven nine says this. And so I tell you, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Isn't that good? Here's the thing. God's willingness to give exceeds our ability to ask. Endless resources. God's ability to give exceeds our willingness to ask. And I'm not talking about that we treat God like he's our heavenly butler. But we've got to start praying. If we say that he has unlimited resources and he can do all things, then our prayers need to start looking different. Because we can come before his throne boldly because he's a good, good father. So here's the thing with that passage. It can often be looked at, oh, that's, that's the story of our father. It's like, oh, it's like the neighbor, like the neighbor. he's asleep and he's, Hard to convince and hard to wake up. And sometimes I can feel like that in our prayer life. Like, God, I feel like I'm not getting through to you. Like, I don't feel like you're hearing me. Like, like the time's now. Like, not tomorrow, not a week later. Like, now. Like, why aren't you answering? Why aren't you? It's like that neighbor, you're banging on the door, right? But that's not what it's saying. That's saying that's man. Now look at the Father. If you just had to ask, and how much more with your importunity in prayer, that shameless persistence before the Father, saying, God, I know that you have good things in store. Our importunity is God's opportunity to meet us and for us to encounter him. Jesus prayed this in John 17, 20. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are, are in me and I am in you. And the there, he's obviously speaking about the apostles, the us. He's talking about us, the believers, those who come to Christ, that we will be one. And it takes persistence sometimes. It doesn't mean that God is unwilling. That's not what it's saying. But sometimes we need to press in. You know what persistence says about my life and what I believe about the Father? If I ask the Father something and I then turn around and I walk through my life without persisting or I give up because he's not answering, that says I believe is a God who, who doesn't care. Maybe even is a God who's not real. Maybe he's a God who doesn't answer prayer or maybe he's just a God who doesn't answer my prayer. But if we had to persist, if we had to keep on asking, if we had to keep on seeking, if we had to keep on finding, that says, I believe, God, you are who you say you are. I believe that you are God who answers prayer. I believe that you are God who is still doing miracles. I believe that you have my best interests at heart, that you love me like a son, you love me like a daughter, and I am yours. And that relationship is at the foremost. It's more important than anything that I can ever ask for. And so, Father, would you make us one? Isn't that worth persisting for? So there are challenges in our persistence. We persist through our awareness and good works. We persist through trials. We persist through our fear. We persist through sickness in order to receive our healing. And we persist for righteous life by aiming at the perfecter. 
Romans 8, 18 says this, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. And Rod said it right after worship. The Father, and if I can ask Nancy if she can come up. I feel this so strongly, even in this week, and I feel it now as I'm standing here. We had a powerful moment last week after the service. And I have no doubt that God is moving and he's touching lives. But I believe this morning as well, the Father is waiting. And the throne room is open today. It is not closed for business hours or anything like that. It is open. He meets his people where they are at. And we have access to him because of Jesus today. And Jesus is already interceding for your situation right now. So where you are, if I can ask you to stand um, with me this morning. And maybe this morning as we in this moment, maybe could we as a church, could we stop making those declarations as we head into this month of prayer and fasting, whatever challenges you are in right now, just begin to start lifting them up to the Lord, just where you are. Maybe they start lifting our voices in prayer. He's a father who hears us this morning. God, your word says that you have prepared good works in advance. But we're weary, God. Sometimes we're tired and we need you. We need your presence, Lord. And I'm not going to let weariness come between me and you today. I'm going to press into you. I'm going to press in. I'm going to persist. I'm going to encounter you, God. It's an, it's an opportunity that comes through importunity today. Our shameless persistence before the throne because you say we can come to you just as we are. So strengthen us, God. I pray that those people today in this meeting that need strengthening, that you would rise up on wings like eagles today, that you would walk and you would not grow weary, that you would not faint. Come on, let's keep on knocking this morning. As you are in this room, can we lift up our voices? I know that you have needs today. I know that there are people in your lives that you are believing for today, just like I am. And we continue to persist. We continue to knock on heaven's door today. Sickness, the doctor's prognosis. God, we give it to you today. That sickness, we give it to you, God. I'm fighting off sickness, but I know, Jesus, you are fighting off sickness and you are the great healer. So we declare healing in, in bodies today that need it. And we declare Jesus, but by your stripes, we are healed. And as we fight sin, God, we stand up and we begin to knock on heaven's gate. Sin that so easily entangles us. But you, Father, have designed us for unbroken relationship with you. We're designed to be loved by you, Father. And so we choose today not to, to focus on perfection. Instead, we aim at you, the perfecter. And so help our unbelief, God. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And we break every stronghold, every habitual habit today of our lives, God. Would you come and break those chains in the name of Jesus, God? We fix our eyes on you, God. You give us access to persist, Lord. And so we come before your throne today, God. And just where you stand, if there is a need that you have, whether it's in any one of these challenges you are facing, maybe right now you are feeling worn out. It's the beginning of the year, but already you are feeling worn out and tired. Maybe today you are, you are facing off a specific trial in your life. Maybe it's just something like fear that has completely gripped you. 
Maybe today, like we said, it's that sickness. Or maybe it's someone that you're standing in faith for to be healed. And maybe it's just that you want to come back and you've been aiming everywhere else but at the perfected. But today you want to come and set your sights again on the target who is Jesus. And if that's you, I just want you to to raise your hand if you would be so bold as to do that. I'm raising my hand because I'm standing in, in faith and persistence for someone that I love. And where you stand, if there are those around you today, I want could you just stand around them? And if you are fine with this, if we could just pray for each other where we are standing. Let's lift the roof today. Let's knock on heaven's door today because God is faithful to answer every prayer and meet every need today. And so God, as there are hands raised in this place, Lord, I thank you that you see every need, Father. You see it, Jesus. You see every sickness, God. You see every trial, Lord, every fear that is gripping people. And right now we pray that heaven would come to earth today, God. That this intersection would happen where heaven meets earth today, God. And would you meet your people where they are at, God. We persist today, God. We, we come before your throne with boldness, unrelenting, God. We will not back down, Jesus. Because we know that you are good and you are working everything out. And so where people need breakthrough today, I pray in the name of Jesus, let breakthrough come. We thank you for your faithfulness, God. Thank you that you're working. You are moving, God. And I pray that all across this room, that as people have their hands out, stretched out, Lord, and even if there's those who didn't, couldn't lift their hands, I pray today, Lord, right now, Holy Spirit, would you touch this room, God? Touch your people. Would you minister to us, God? We need you, God. And I pray today, God, a grace of every single one of us a refreshing over us, God, as we seek your face. In this month ahead, God, as we, as we press in in prayer, as we lay aside those things and we focus on you, I pray a refreshing would come over this body. An awakening would happen within us, God, to see the more, to trust for the more, to believe for the more, to know that greater things are yet to come and greater things are still to be done, God. That there is a community out there, there are people, there is a nation that needs heaven's breakthrough, God. People that need the love of a father. And so today, God, I pray for your grace over us as your body. To hear your voice in this month, God. To press into you. And to hear you respond as we pray. Thank you that you make a way, God. Thank you that you are our way, Jesus. You are the great I am. I thank you that you set the example that we can go and we can pray with confidence yes. as though we are meeting face to face with you, Father. And so we persist, God. We will not give up. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.